That's hard when a guy comes in right on the money, isn't it? Whew, that was good, Jay. Thank you. Well, Jesus loved to tell stories. And I realized one day that after preaching for 45 years, I'd never done what Jesus did, just tell a story and let it hang there. So you're my guinea pig. I want to tell you a story about a young man who grew up in the west of Ireland. He grew up in a valley, beautiful valley, and he developed this wonderful lyrical Irish voice, not, not just the voice, the sound of the voice, but he developed something worth saying with that voice. He saw things other people didn't see, things in nature, things in families, things with people, things you might say of the spirit. Even when he was a little boy, he said, you know, growing up in a valley is wonderful because you have a private sky. Well, he was 18 years old, and he decided he would write an epic novel. So he went up into the attic of his little cottage overlooking the valley. He had three months off in the summer, and he was about to go to Cambridge and, and start his university career. And so he went up there every day, and he just started writing a story. And it was, it was a lovely story. It, was a, it had a creation part in it. it. It had these wonderful characters who actually had depth and complexity, and some of them evolved, and, and others of them devolved. And in the heart of the story, though it was a hopeful story with a, a hopeful cast and a hopeful hue and a, and a warmth and a welcome and an invitation at almost every bend, there was, there was pain and there was tragedy. And in fact, in the center of the story, it got so dark that the characters you'd fallen in love with if you were reading it, you didn't know if they would make it through the next day. A catastrophe was right on the edge. And then he wrote another character into the story. Right at that point, a, a young Irish woman came into the story almost from out of nowhere. And, and she came in, and it wasn't what she said, and it, it wasn't really what she did, but somehow whenever her foot would cross a threshold, a little bit of hope would come into the room, a little bit of joy a little flicker of encouragement, and little by little, the despair that was covering and smothering the other characters, when her presence, her transfigured presence, that darkness began to dissipate, and the catastrophe was averted, and the story went on, and, and the lives intertwined, and it ended on, on actually a rather tragic note, but, but a, a, the kind of tragedy that, that somehow even carries a welcome within it. Well, he finished his story. <laughs> he didn't know if it was any good. He's 18. What do you know? I mean, come on. He put it in a little cardboard box, put a lid on it, put it over in the corner of the attic, and, 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 and life happened. You know, he went off to the university, and he's a religious guy, a very spiritual young man. He, he joined an order in his, uh, a religious order in, in his faith tradition. The religious order saw he was very bright, sent him off to the best schools. He got multiple graduate degrees, became quite a writer, actually, of theology, but he, he loved his Irish poetry, and as time went on, he became a bard, a poet, and a, quite a famous one. 
well-read all over the world. But he forgot about the novel. Somehow it just stayed in the box in the corner of the attic for 45 years. And the house got sold when his parents died. It was sold two or three more times over his lifetime. And about 45 years after he wrote it and left it in the attic, another young man bought the house, a British young man, about 30 years old, bought it with a trust fund. He was rich, but he was completely empty inside. He was broken. He was shattered. He had demons from his childhood that he couldn't overcome. He was consumed with obsessive thoughts. He gave in to addictions. He was, he was struggling to just stay alive one more day. And he thought, if I go to the west of Ireland in a beautiful valley, in a, in a wonderful little cottage, maybe I'll, I'll find some joy, some life. But actually, the opposite happened. It, the quiet It made him feel more despairing, not less, and the depression wrapped around him so deeply that it was strangling him, and he he decided irresolutely, he decided, it's over, I've had it. He went to the shed, he grabbed a rope, he went back into the cottage, He, he walked up the little stairs to the attic, the very attic where that young poet had written his novel 45 years later, and he started to wrap uh, the rope around the, the ancient beam of that cottage. And as he was trying to figure out how to tie it to kill himself, he, he caught out of the corner of his eye on the left-hand side in the corner a little box with a lid on it and dust all over it. And in a moment of ironic curiosity... He yanks the rope off the beam, he goes over to the box, he lifts the lid to see what's in it, and there's a yellowed manuscript, handwritten. And he's got the rope in his right hand and this box here, and he picks up the first sheet of paper and he reads the first paragraph, and something like a flicker of a candle of hope enters his heart. He, he didn't, couldn't have even put a word on it, and, but he was gripped. He knew that, and he read the second paragraph and the third, and the flicker grew just a tiny bit, and he picked up the second page and read it, and by the time he got to the fifth page, the rope had slipped from his hand, and he grabbed the manuscript with both, and for the next 16 hours, he sat in that attic, and he read page after page after page, and he, he didn't know at the time that the story the young man had written was saving this young man's life. He finished. He wept. And he knew that he would not die. But he did something odd. He grabbed a pen from his pocket. He went back to page one and he started writing notes in the margin of the original manuscript and circling the character's name and flipping it over and writing outlines on the back. And then the next day he, he began writing and he pretty much holed himself up in this cottage and wrote for four months, barely eating, just writing and rewriting the bones of this story. He took the skeleton, he took the characters. But he changed them, even though they'd saved his life. It it didn't match the story he knew of life. And so he took a story that was hopeful, but 
paid homage to despair, and he turned it into a story that was despairing and paid a little homage to hope. And he distorted the characters, frankly. And, and even the, the wonderful heroine who came in at the middle and, and, and across the threshold of which her foot would pass, hope would come in. That, it started that way when she showed up in his version. But then rather than her being a transformer of despair, she became its victim. And in the last chapter, she's overcome with the despair of the world he'd created, and she takes a rope and goes up the stairs of that cottage and hangs herself. Well, he found a publisher right away, and the story sold. It went viral. It was almost immediately translated into 25 languages because it fit the melu of the day, a, a more despairing and individualistic message. And he became famous. He got pretty rich. He fixed up the cottage, lived there, and in a funny sort of way, found a purpose in his life. But 18 miles away from that cottage was a hospice center. And lying in that hospice center was an old Irish bard, a poet. And he was in good shape mentally, but bad shape physically. He, was, he had four to six months to live with cancer. His friends and family who loved him so much, who honored his life of service and spirit and poetry. And if you're Irish, you love poetry and you love poets. And they would gather around his bed, and, and they, 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 one night he couldn't see real well. His eyesight had gotten a little bad, and, and they, he loved to read, and he couldn't read, and so they brought him a Kindle. And they fired up the Kindle, and they said, look, you can make the letters as big as you want them. I think you can read again, and he could. And they said, there's this new book out, and it's about Ireland, and it's gone global. People are reading it. Maybe we haven't read it yet, but we thought you might enjoy it. And so as they left the room that night and he was alone in his hospice bed, he, he started reading on his Kindle the opening paragraph and immediately recognized a distorted version of his story. And he read on and he read on for 16 hours. Every ounce of energy that his cancer-ridden body could do, he read, and he got to the last page where his heroine, who he had invented, who he had created, died hanging herself from the rafter of his cottage, and he wept. He fell asleep in his tears. He woke up the next morning. He asked for a pad of paper, and he started writing. And for four months... He wrote and wrote and wrote. He rewrote the rewritten story of his epic, glorious, wonderful, welcoming story. He didn't go back to it. He rewrote the rewrite. And he wrapped a tapestry of welcome around the continued story that this other person had created. And at the end of four months, he finished it. He set his pen down. He slipped into a coma. The nurse called his friends and family, said he's not going to make it through the night. You better come now. And as they were coming, he, he put the, 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 the nurse put the manuscripts, ironically, in a little cardboard box she got from out back. 
and pushed it over into the corner of the room. His family and friends showed up, and, and it got pushed further behind the blue curtain behind the sofa. They saw him breathe his last breath. They prayed, they lit candles, they sang, they, they left the room, the room fresh with grief and loss, and there in the corner of the room was the box with the rewritten, rewritten story waiting to be discovered. Some people say it's still there. Some people say that it's still there, and and when people actually discover it and take the lid off it and read the rewritten version of the rewritten version of the beautiful story, they're compelled to rewrite their own stories. And when they have it said, they rewrite their story of God. And they rewrite their story of themselves, and they rewrite their story of everyone they meet. And it's said that when they do this, they create lives of great beauty.